Welcome to episode 236 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Charlie Cheever. He is the founder of Expo, uh, helping companies build better iPhone and Android apps faster uh, with really awesome tooling. We're using it. Uh, and before that, Charlie was co-founder of Quora. Before that, he was at Facebook. And before that, he was doing uh, all sorts of... Before that, he was a child. And before that, <laughs> yeah, we get it. All sorts That's of how children works. and growing up things. Uh, it was a super fun episode getting to chat with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll jump into that in a minute. But before we do... We want to thank our sponsors for this week. And that's us. Thanks, us. Thank ourselves. Uh, We built a company called Spectrum. Some of you may know about it. It's a platform for building online communities. And we built that for the community we built around this podcast and our other podcasts uh, on the network called SpecFM. So Uh, yeah, Spectrum is is a place for businesses or organizations, nonprofits, open source uh, communities to have better conversations online. It's, uh, you could think of it like an alternative to Slack where- We built it as a replacement for our Slack yeah. team because it was just chaotic at 9,000 people. Yeah, so conversations are threaded by default, which means you can search for them and have really discrete conversations. They're all indexed on search engines. So you have this uh, ever-growing knowledge base of, of conversations you and your community are having. And it's all free. Yep, it's searchable anywhere. Uh, you can find conversations that you like had previously for once. Unlike with Slack, and Slack the wasn't free, plan, free yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So you lost every once you had hit ten thousand messages. Like you lost everything before that, which was miserable. Uh, so yeah, we're working on that, and we'd love for you to check it out. So if you have a business or a side project, or you just want to poke around and see what it looks like to start a community and grow one uh, online, you can go to spectrum.chat and create one for free. It gets you, of course, unlimited members, unlimited channels, unlimited conversations. Uh, so yeah, check that out. But you can also go to our Explore page at spectrum.chat slash explore and find all the communities that have already been made. There's a bunch of them. There's some huge ones around uh, different like open source tools like React. Uh, we've got some great ones for designers. We have a really big Figma community, Sketch community, Framer. Uh, if you're into development, we've got an awesome front end uh, community called Front End Cafe. Uh, you can find all this and, and a bunch of other communities at spectrum.chat slash explore. So we hope you'll check it out. Uh, if you're interested in making a community, go ahead and do one. Let us know what you make and hit us up. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Or if you just join a community, uh, we hope to chat with you uh, in a bunch of different conversations. Yep. So thanks, us. And with that, let's get an episode 236 with Charlie Cheever. Okay, I'm Charlie Cheever. Uh, right now, I'm working on Expo, which is uh, this way to make mobile apps that are like native, like they look and feel native. They work on iOS and Android, but you write them in just JavaScript uh, using like React Native. That's so really fun to work on. And the rest of me is I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a long time ago, and I started making computer games, and then calculator games was probably how I really All right. wanted to make like stuff. like TI-86 kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, well, like, even before the TI-86 came out, my mom got me a TI-85 in sixth grade, and uh, <laughs> Dope. that was a lot. I could type, like, probably 40 words a minute on that. <laughs> um, That's pretty good. That's a special yeah. skill. You should put that on your resume. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I still can, but... <laughs> uh, so, I mean, but actually thinking back, like, I... I, I could sometimes I would see people like at like math meets and stuff that had like super fancy games written in assembler and I like really wanted to know how to do that, but like there was no internet. So like I just like I couldn't know I just had no idea how to figure out how to do that. Huh. Or, like I mean I probably if I was motivated enough I could have like 
written a letter to <laughs> Texas Instruments and had them mail me a manual or something. But I, like, please teach it, me. Uh, just didn't have that level of motivation. Um, Why were you making games? So, like, what got you interested? I don't know. In that? Like, I so my parents never let me have video game consoles or anything. Mm. We didn't have cable either because my mom worked for public television. Um, <laughs> and. But my neighbors had... It's against their contract. Yeah. My best friend like lived across the street and then down the street. And uh, he and his little brother, they, they had every video game system and every computer game and stuff like that. So I would nice. hang out at their house all the time. And we'd play games. It's a good reason to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> they're also, they're great dudes. Um, and, Wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one day, like in like third grade... I think my dad took me to the library and there was like a book waiting to be reshelved that was like how to make your own computer games. Nice. And I just like, was like, that sounds cool. And I like grabbed it and I took it home. And then like the first page was like, you need to know how to program basic to like use this book. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> and I made my dad go back to the library and we got like, you know, how, how to program basic by the same author or something like that. And then we didn't have like a, I didn't know how to boot up basic on our like Mac at home. So I started walk I was lived close enough to walk to school. So I'd get up at like five in the morning and walk into school early and then type in the programs from the book and then start changing. Like there was like a rocket that was like an A and then an H and then an H or you know, and then you'd print, <laughs> print, 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 and it would blast off. And then I would change the H to like an I or something. So it'd be slightly different looking. And then like <laughs> that wasn't really like programming, but it was just like typing in what somebody else was doing and then changing it just a tiny bit. And then from there, uh, I just kind of did that a lot. And then um, and then started making calculator games and doing other stuff. Because you were bored in class, I assume. Yeah, I, I got in trouble a lot in like social <laughs> studies and English and Latin. <laughs> You're on your calculator. They're like, right. this is a English class. No, literally, I, I think I got... No, it's Hangman. <laughs> Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. But I also like some I got I got a big extra credit points for making like a science themed hangman in uh in sixth grade, I nice. think. So there were mostly minuses, but some pluses academically. Um and then in high school my mom uh actually I did this between eighth and ninth grade. There was a really cool summer program at Carnegie Mellon, which is right next to where I grew up in Pittsburgh. And um they it was taught by this guy named Steven Rudich, who like this is brilliant theoretical computer science professor. And he basically would like give this test to anyone who wanted to take it in the whole region. And it was basically like sort of theoretical computer science problems reframed as word problems that were understandable by like middle schoolers. (laughs) And so then like basically no one would ever get any answers right because you'd have to like come up with some proof or something like You'd but have to know theoretical computer, computer science, science to, um, <laughs> or like rederive it. <laughs> but it, but like since he would write out like your attempts at answers and stuff like that, he would just like go through and pick out like who whoever was interested, and he would pick twenty five people, and then this program was free. So it was like this very like just kind of people from all over the region, just huh. from like random schools who were just kind of interested in this and stuff. And so then he would teach basically over the summer, like sort of the first theory course in computer science, like basically the same course that they would teach to the Carnegie Mellon computer science people, but to like, you know, high schoolers. Um, and you could take it, like, you go after eighth grade too. So I think I was like, even not, even before I was in high school, I did this. Um, and it was so fun. And like, there was no homework. You just like wanted to do it and you would do it there. And then if we would stay like Thursday nights, we would just like all sleep in the computer lab and play Quake and Command and Conquer <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And it was like like super fun nerd camp. And we also learned pro- they would also in the afternoons after the theoretical stuff they would teach us programming like C and stuff like that. So that was also like helped me learn. And I got internet access there, which I still didn't have at home at that point. Um, and then I was a counselor there, and then like I, that helped me also just to be like on the campus of Carnegie Mellon. And like mm-hmm. there were some grad students who were also in teaching in the program, and that was fun. And then um, the way I got. The thing I probably spent the most time on though is once we got the internet home. Um, the other thing I did in, in high school, like really seriously, was like I was like a runner, like I ran track and cross country, and I was like pretty good. But like our team was really good. Like we got second at states my junior year and my senior year. I was crushed. We didn't win my senior year, but anyway, <laughs> that's right. But uh, we had like the best cross country website in the country, I think, of like high school <laughs> cross country teams because I would spend like you know an hour on it every day, and it had so humble. All kind of, well, <laughs> there were like th- there were maybe like three other entrants in this contest. <laughs> Um, oh, it was like a formal, there. formal contest. Yeah. No, no, I just mean like I was. I had spent a lot of time scouring yeah, the yeah. for running stuff. Um, it was kind of cool though because it was it was one of the first things where I was like I would make something and then all my teammates and stuff and then people from other teams and stuff would check it and I had like a a guest book where like it would actually you'd fill out a form and then it would like I don't know if you know this but you could actually you know how there's like get and post as like ways mm-hmm. you yeah. can submit forms. There's actually this old school way called like email and it. Because like I didn't have like a dynamic web server, I only had a thing where you could put HTML files. So I had to have this thing where I would then pop up your email client and have this like long ass query string in the bottom of the email, and then you hit send, and then like <laughs> I would get these emails, and I would have to I had like a QBasic program that would parse them, and then I would generate the 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 this like HTML page and up FTP it to the server, and that so I had oh to manually manually run this every time. But <laughs> why I, didn't you just write a server? Because <laughs> I like you just. We only had this, like, we actually, I guess we could have, but I just, there no, just wasn't, like, I, the internet was so young that there just wasn't tutorials yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Like, you couldn't, That's PHP wasn't even around. seriously impressive workaround. So, and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and so, it was just kind of really hacky. And But it also wasn't, I mean, I was, like, sitting at my computer all night every night, so it wasn't, like, no one ever had to wait more than, like, a couple hours, usually. That's to, cool. To have wow. something approved. Um, but it was really fun, and I learned a lot. And it also just, I got this sense of, like, this is, like, People pay attention to it when I make this stuff, and I was really shy in person, so it was that was like a, a really big thing for me. And so then in college, I like worked on the newspaper website and studied computer science stuff like that, and just kind of like a lot of people I think uh, have this thing where like I don't know what to do with my life. Should I be a consultant or a lawyer or like an artist? But it was just really easy because I just kind of like wasn't that that interested in doing too much else and like wasn't really good at anything else so what did you have in mind you're like i'm gonna i just wanted to make stuff Um, first calculator games magnate (laughs) yeah well what's interesting though is like i didn't like a lot of the people that work at expo actually come from like uh, making games like probably like at least half the team like if you said how did you start making stuff they would say like oh like when i was 12 i just want to make a game so i started that's how i learned to program that's probably true of like a lot of the people that program but interestingly I, I like if you look at the industry there's a real separation between like the gaming world and like the sort of like software world like yeah. there are, there's not like a lot of like people go between google and facebook and you know Uber and Stripe and Dropbox and like those kind of companies, but there's not that many people that go between those companies and then like Riot or Blizzard or EA mm-hmm. and like not zero obviously, but like way less than you might think. Because I've definitely worked with a lot of people who came from game companies, but not like I don't see people go to. Yeah, them. it just sort of seems miserable um, <laughs> to work to actually. Work, the like, business seems frustrating right. for sure, um, especially nowadays with the way payments work. And right, I think it is one thing that I think is like a big problem in the world, and I'd like. 
I love Expo could sort of solve it is that there just feels like this this disconnect, sort of in the same way that I think television felt like this maybe seven or eight years ago, where it was just like getting getting like ratings and shows you could monetize really well wasn't aligned with like making really quality stuff. And so if you like looked at the top 20 shows, it was stuff like everybody loves Raymond and like stuff that, which like Raymond is still like big bang theories. Right. Like, yeah, sure. (laughs) But like, and like, I believe Raymond was fine. Big bang theory is pretty terrible, (laughs) but like, it's like, it's really like lowest common denominator. Like, like, when people say like lame stream, that's like, the, that's what they mean. It's like, that's like the derogatory part of that comes from that. And so, um, but then you see these things like with HBO and Netflix and Amazon Prestige Prime and like, like crazy now. Yeah. And it's just like, you can, when you can target, when people are like paying for stuff in like a, a way where they like won't pay for it if it's not quality and like you can target the right audience and like narrow in a niche and stuff like that. Like a, a bunch of things added up to making it like, Wow, like I mean, not everything on television is quality now, but there's mm-hmm. definitely some more good stuff that wouldn't have been made a couple of years ago, and that's cool to see. And I feel like gaming is not in that space where it's just like there's like a couple interesting things going on with like indie games. For I mean, probably more than a couple. There's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. stuff going on in indie games, but like, and like Steam is has some cool aspects to it, but it doesn't really feel like it's like. It still feels like things aren't blossoming even as much as like 10 years ago when like Flash was dominant and there were just like tons mm. of people making lots and lots of interesting stuff with Flash. Because it feels like everyone carries their phone around all the time and that's like probably on a per hour basis, probably the, the most used gaming platform in the world, mm-hmm. even if people don't think of it as passionately as they think about console or PC. Um, but like mobile, mobile games are such a wasteland of a disaster. And like part of that's just like <laughs> the input mechanism is just like so imprecise. Like and no one's ever really been able to make a sort of adapter. A D-pad accessory yeah, or anything that's yeah. really worked out. And they keep changing the form factor of the phone. So these things that attach don't really attach for long mm-hmm. enough. Um and but the other and then the other part is like just st- I, I blame Apple for a lot of this stuff. Like they won't, there's no way to turn off notifications from bopping in and like interrupting your gameplay. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that on Samsung phones now, but like um yeah. Apple just seems to this reminds me a little bit of like what happened when I, I worked at Facebook um for a long time. One of the main things I worked on back in the day was like the gaming platform stuff. And our assignment that we were given was like build this platform so people can make stuff that's kind of like the apps we have on Facebook, like events, photos, groups, stuff like that. Make those kind of things. And and then people were, and then people can make like Google Docs, but like collaborative with their Facebook friends. It was sort of like that was the kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah. And Gaming, then, but with spreadsheets. <laughs> right. But then, but like, and no, like, no, and, and like, maybe somebody's like, and if somebody wants to make a game, that could be okay too. But it was like ah, definitely not. Like, but so then this I was is a Facebook platform, right? Yeah, right. And so then, like, when we launched that, within about 48 hours, like, all the most successful things were games. And like, but probably for like seven or eight months, maybe even a year, it basically would be like, People in the office would be playing like Bogolific like all the time and not getting any work done. And if you looked around, you just realized that like that was like a really, really important part of what was happening. Um, but people would just be I'd be in meetings with people and they'd just be like, Well, Charlie and his team ruined Facebook. <laughs> and, like, and it was like not hundred percent false because you did your just, job like, too good. We there was, well, there was a bunch of spam notifications and yeah, stuff. Uh, and like yeah. if you couldn't see through the cloud of, of that, then like, yeah, there there's definitely some problems but like people really really enjoying games and like some of them were kind of good and like it was interesting to see somebody made uh, this thing called Facebook Lite which was like 
uh, really good. It was super well implemented. They had some awesome people working on it. I think Bobby worked was the yeah. designer on it. Bobby Goodlatte. Bobby Goodlatt. Um, and then this guy Evan Priestley was just like a, you know, people when people say like like a literal god of programming. Like he's one of the people <laughs> that they're like thinking of. He's he's really really sharp. Um, and it was super well implemented. But the the thesis was kind of like that people just don't want this crap and they just want a super fast Facebook experience. And so they took away chat and they took away they implemented like everything except chat and the platform stuff. And people just complained because like the, it turns out that the things that they wanted were like games and chat. <laughs> and that was like oh no. <laughs> uh, so then all the technology got merged back into the main Facebook site. But it was just kind of interesting that like there was this persistent idea that like, no, 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 no. Like the data might show that people are doing that, but they don't really want to. They're just confused or something like that. Um, and it took probably like two or three years before Facebook started to get serious about like, uh, and it's par- partly my fault. I probably should have like been advocating for games more and stuff like that and like figuring it out. And, but there was definitely like just the DNA of the company was like kind of like, we're like a social directory and like a utility, not like, a, and I, and I, without knowing anything about how Apple works internally or anything like that, it's just like, I, I got to think some of the same stuff is happening where like, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Games is like a thing, but like really we're about like music and movies and like carefully designed. Every other type of media, media except, except <laughs> games. And like, cause they don't make their own games. They don't seem to care about it. And like, huh. they just, besides the fact that the hardware is the best hardware and the, like the, the sort of screens and mm. the performance of the stuff, it's like, they don't, all the product stuff in the OS and stuff like that is just really well, not set up for gaming to be Do you good. remember when they announced Halo on Mac? Like, that was the first platform that was going to get Halo back in the day? Oh, yeah. Marathon was on it. Yeah, right. Like, I, I remember watching Steve Jobs unveil Halo. And <laughs> I don't that remember that. never happened. Right. I, and then there's just, like, even today, like, you can get, like, a super fast Mac, and it's just, like, kind of terrible for gaming. Like, yeah, you can't. Still, yeah. The mouse, like, full screen mode just doesn't really work, and, like, the menu bar keeps popping. They're just, like, like... It's just like not a priority to test to make sure mm. this stuff works the way it is on Windows, where like it's accepted that like gamers are like a really important part of the market. So I don't. Know, I think that's part of what's going on. It, but it seems like they're in such a. Obviously, they're focused on what they're focused on. Yeah. But now they have millions and millions of Apple TVs in people's homes mm-hmm. connected to a TV with their phone yep. as a remote, and it's right. like Steven like A plus B. It's like just add add this up, and there's right. opportunity. Um, plus, they like solved digital distribution and I don't know. Yeah. No, there's... Yeah, Except on the Mac. Really, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we're not... Yeah, yeah. Steven Sanofsky had a really good thread on Twitter today about like Apple's focus and their like way of shipping things over time and uh, I'll have to link that in the show notes. It's really good. I do think that they could like with a little bit of work they could make it really, really awesome and really good and fix it if it ever became like a priority for them. I'm not sure it will, but who knows. But I think one of the benefits that PC had going in was that they could make it modular. They didn't have to invest a ton of time in making it like they weren't shipping first-party PCs that had, like, crazy gaming right. graphics cards and stuff. That was on someone else, which made it... That's true. And, um, like... That caused a lot of other problems around focus as well, it seems like. But mm-hmm. at least it wasn't on them. So if I'm going to tie this back a few minutes to right. what you said, you you want, in some way, Expo to play yeah. a role in... I mean, I think that, like... Part, so the origin of Expo is basically that like I was working at Quora and one of the things I did was sort of start and manage the mobile teams and um, first it was just iOS like we decided we like this was probably 2010 and like we'd sometimes joke that we had made like the last website because like <laughs> it was like probably like six months after we started building Quora and Alpha it was like it just kind of became obvious that like if you're going to do a new 
project. You should probably make an iPhone app. And mm-hmm. like, but it wasn't obvious like when we started working on Cora. And it just like it was somewhere in that like a few months afterwards, somewhere that just like clearly flipped. And so um, I think there's almost like that's almost true. Like I actually can't really think of like too many things that are like kind of like web content type yeah. properties that what like idiots pop. would start a web app these days. Instead <laughs> of like, well, I think people like have web interfaces and stuff, but there's like these sort of like. Like the one way we thought about Quora was that like if you look at the whole decade of like two thousand to two thousand ten, most of the successful things were basically some form of like make a place on the internet to upload a certain kind of content and then make a way to distribute it to the right people that want to see that. And so you like LinkedIn is where you upload your resume and recruiters see it and your coworkers see it. Or YouTube is where you upload videos of any form and then like anyone who searches for them can find it. And then like Facebook is where you upload your like originally like your party photos and then your college classmates see them. And later it became like, you know, your aunts, children and stuff like that. But um, and then, you know, uh, Yelp was where you upload restaurant reviews and then people mm-hmm. who like want to find a good restaurant. And like you could kind of map anything successful into that. Um, and part of that was just like Google search could like be really good at helping you get distribution for stuff if you could stick it online, stuff like that. And that was just like the main mode of stuff. And then we kind of built, hey, like what if there was a place where you could upload the contents of your brain and like the answer to all the questions you know and then like anyone who had those questions could find it and like just fits neatly into that bucket. Um, But then everything kind of after that, uh, like Instagram and even like Facebook to some extent and Twitter and, which Twitter was before, but like fits more into this mode of like, it's like kind of, lists in a feed on a phone that get pushed to people who's like subscribe and connect to stuff. It's like a little bit different and everything's just mobile focused. Um, and anyway, um, but we made this mobile app uh, and it took like nine months, even though it was basically just like a tab bar wrapping our mobile website. And it was just like, everything takes so long when you're, I mean, mm-hmm. this is even before Arc like in Objective C, mm-hmm. like the first, I mean, eventually, right before we launched, we like re, Niraj, who built it, like rewrote the whole thing to use Arc. But like we had most of the work was done in a world where we were like kind of manually cleaning up all the memory and stuff like that. So it just took a really, really long time. And I was just kind of like, wow, it's shocking that it took like so much work. And then like the whole back then the approval process, I think it took like two weeks, maybe yeah. even a little bit more to get approved, which yeah. is. Totally nuts. And it was not predictable either. So it no. was kind of, it could be way longer, it could be way shorter. shorter. And so it was just like um, this really, really complicated, long, laborious process to basically just like kind of get our mobile website inside of a tab bar. Um, but then that was like, you know, it worked out pretty great. Like people really liked it. We got featured by Apple. Originally it was like 10% of the traffic and it just kept going up every month. I don't know what it is now because I've been there in a while. But I think it's quite likely that it's like more than... 40 or 50%. Um, and then, so then we're like, oh, that was, that worked out pretty well. Like we should make an Android app as well. <laughs> oh, God. And then, but since we've already like yeah. done the work to sort of make our mobile website fit in a native scaffolding, we already have a design, it should be easy, right? A couple of weeks, and then, like <laughs> 10 months later, finally, and like, I think we had, it was just the fragmentation of Android made it take a much longer time. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, and then, of course, we had, like, Google wanted us to put the tab bar at the top instead of the bottom. And, like, we had to go through all the pro- approval process with them and, like, to get fe- – I mean, they're a little bit faster about approval back then, but, like, it still was, like, negotiating being featured and stuff was, like – you know, to their credit, it wasn't, like, painful or something, but it just, like, took a long time. 
Um, and it was just so interesting to see this juxtaposed with like, we were making the website, it was just like a couple people sitting in a room like banging out code and then like sticking it on the web. And just like, it just, just our brains were not occupied with like all this like tangential stuff about micromanaging memory and like cutting through red tape via relationships or things like that to like get stuff in front of people. And we could really just focus on the product. And so it was just like, it was, it was kind of just interesting to see that juxtaposition. And then once we had these two apps, it was also kind of like, wow, like I really like to organize this sort of team-wise in terms of having uh, the people who like own like a particular feature or part of the product kind of owning that across all platforms and making that maybe not exactly the same, but having like the same vibe and feel the same and like have it sort of coherently presented across all different interfaces. Um, And so, you know, you'd want to be able to have like, you know, people that work on the profile page or the question page or however you want to break it down. Um, But it just wasn't, it just didn't really work because the stack of stuff you need to know to maintain like the iPhone app yeah. and the Android app is just like deep and changing. Like there's just like a lot of stuff in UIKit and then you start to do more complicated stuff and you kind of go below UIKit and start doing like CG layer stuff mm-hmm. and things like that. And then, you know, a new version of iOS comes out and like, oh, don't use that, don't use this. And that's even worse than Android in a lot of ways because they were playing catch up with iOS and kind of like trying to, to match stuff. So. Um, it was really hard for anyone to keep all the iOS stuff and the Android stuff and and like we had one guy who could do that, but then keeping the product stuff in your head also was just too much. So we ended up having to basically have like an iPhone and Android team, and then spe- somebody sort of like a designer, product right. manager group right. was kind of spec stuff out and hand it off. And that just felt like that loop of iteration and like building something, getting feedback, making it consistent with where it is the rest of places was just longer and more painful. And then, but even then, like. We didn't really have that much native code, mostly just this like scaffolding, um, and that was like kind of good because at least meant that we could iterate on like the mobile website, which Think, like yeah. meant our mobile website would change and our the content of both apps would change, and then like it was that was also that was a shared code base with our main website, um, so that was like pretty good overall, except for the fact that the performance on mobile of like web based things just never really mm-hmm. felt quite right, and you want sometimes we want to do things like hey let's play a video here or like stick a native map in, and you just like. Shit. So we can't do that. <laughs> Web views have gotten better over time, but yeah, they yeah, were really they, rough for a while. And like, I think they're they're almost like I think that there's some chance that they become like we cross some threshold where like they're just kind of like good enough and like it's not a big deal to use them like in the next two three years, but maybe not. I just can't tell for sure. Um, I mean, that was frustrating. So then after I left Quora, I was like, um, just kind of like. Man, that was such a big problem. And then every idea I had to make anything was basically just like a mobile. Because I'm on my phone. All, like when people talk about like technology addicts, they're like, I mean, I'm probably like <laughs> patient zero. Um, and uh, so, like the only thing I was interested in was making different mobile things. And I had all these different ideas, but like I would think of something, and a lot of the ideas you have, you don't know whether they're good or not. So like, <laughs> like one example of something that I wanted to build was like, I called it Chuber and it was Uber, but for Charlie is the only driver <laughs> and it's free and only my friends are allowed to be on it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't working. So it was like, I'm just driving around San Francisco or Palo Alto and just like, if somebody needs to go to the airport, that's so much better than like emailing back and forth five times about when you want to have coffee and then have, you know, cause it's like, 
it feels like you're doing something productive. There's no overhead, a waste of time. You don't have to meet and somebody's 10 minutes late and you're, it's like, you're just so efficient. Like, I, I feel like it might be genius, but it also just might be stupid. Like, I you just don't know until you I don't you think it's it. a business. <laughs> well, who knows? Like, but then you imagine like maybe oh, it turns, how do you scale that to other maybe, people? Maybe, maybe you want to do it too. And then it's like, oh, we could just use the same app. And then you only see your friends. I only see my friends. And Brian, like, can he could get a ride from either of Got us. It. And so it's like, maybe that goes somewhere. And I think a lot of things that don't feel like a business are like Snapchat and Facebook That's and a fair. lot of the biggest things. And so like, who knows? But like- We'll put advertising on the cars. <laughs> right. Like, who knows? Um, but like, I think the main thing is, I, even if it's not a business, I would just love to see if that worked or if it yeah. did. And so then basically I was like, man, like I would, it would take me like nine months to build this. I'm partly because I'm not like- I, at that point, I was, had mostly been managing people and like didn't really have a ton of iPhone experience. I'm not a really good designer, so like there's a lot of there are people who could build that pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. I like I wasn't. It would have taken me a long time to get to the point where I was one of those people. And you know, but like if I had the building like the web version of something like that, it would have taken me like a week or two weeks or something if I was focused. And so I was like, man. And then even if I imagine having like an iPhone version of this, I was like. There's two problems with that. One, I know a lot of people with Androids, and so then, like, I can't test with them, so anything that's, like, sort of a network thing, that's too bad. But then even bigger problem is just, like, then I would have this big, brittle block of Objective (laughs) later Swift, but Objective-C probably, where it's, like, moving something around or just changing it a little bit is just, like, a pretty intense, laborious process. And so that was just, like... Building a new product just felt like, man, this is just going to be so hard. You have to get really lucky or build something really, really simple that feels a really niche need. And so um, I actually tried to build some some product. And I remember just one day we had this thing. It was we had this product called Nametag, which I can explain to you some other time. Um, I think it's super cool, but we just Apple broke it. Um, and we know how to launch it. But we had like sort of a profile thing. And we, we had a designer work with a little bit. Her name is Rebecca Goldman. Um, she's cool. And she just was like, hey, what about if you took that and you kind of popped it out into a card? And James, who I was working with, um, we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, yeah, that seems like maybe a good idea, but that would take us like a week and <laughs> yeah, a half to yeah. do. And like, it's just like, that would literally be our entire team of two people working for like a week and a half to like make that change because it's so everything's so connected and like all the codes like spaghetti and we were just like that just doesn't feel like worth trying with like the payoff probably yeah isn't yeah, yeah and so like that but then like maybe it, like it might have been good and so it's just like sad that we couldn't that everything yeah. felt so hard to iterate on and brittle um and so really really wanted to fix that and so basically just started researching like how to do better and we looked at HTML5 for a long time and just decided if you couldn't change the source code of the of the web browser you couldn't really fix most of the problem like gestures didn't really get picked up probably no matter what we did animations were janky and like and so we started adding in like native components like controlling them with javascript and it started to f- the stuff we were working on prototyping just felt better immediately and so we started going with that and we built basically a version of Node for the iPhone that would can control UI kit components cool um, and we were starting to build a layout engine for it and then React Native got announced, and we were like, oh, basically, there's 20-some <laughs> people at Facebook who are working Sick. on the same thing, <laughs> and they work on Android, and they've got a big megaphone. So let's just like take their technology and then like build everything else we want around it. And so we've basically just been building like something where I feel like trying to get all of the like look and feel and power and performance of native apps, but with like the ethos and experience and vibe of like web, where you're just like, you have a URL for everything. You can update stuff really, really quickly, and iteration is fast. And then you can t- 
take things like React that you can like map to the way you think about as like a human being or a designer. And so we've just been running with that. And so then like we realized that we wanted to be able to build everything in JavaScript. And so what React Native is is just kind of like a bridge and then like a way to uh, some way to do like some basic layout stuff for views, but doesn't really include like all the stuff you need to do, and you end up having to write a lot of native code. So we've been submitting out this standard library of components that have stuff like camera component, video, uh, video recording, mm-hmm. native mm-hmm. video player, audio player, push notifications, Google login, Facebook login, native maps, um, and some of these things we pull in from the community. Like Airbnb made this good la- maps library that's pretty well maintained, um, and so we pull that in. Um, and but then a lot of things like there's just kind of janky stuff that like some person made for a project they were doing for a client. A year and a half ago, and then they kind of just left it out on GitHub. And if you find <laughs> if you find it, you maybe could wrangle it to work, but like it doesn't really has some problems with like modern versions of React Native or so. So we sort of have stuff that we think is built well and is well maintained, um, sort of across the whole core space. We're, we have a few things that we haven't quite knocked out yet, like payments is in progress, um, and background location and sound is in progress, and Bluetooth is another big bucket. But like we're getting pretty close to like having almost everything that people people tend to want um, and that you can write it just in JavaScript and then the cool thing about when you have everything written in JavaScript is that all these things like updating over the air which is like a huge deal in my mind so that you can like do something like continuous Mm -hmm. deployment where you push out a new version of your app like 50 times a day if you're making 50 commits Um, you can do that and it just works fine because you submit once to the app store with all your native code which is just kind of like the expo library and then since that can like let you do anything you want to do, you can just keep pushing down new versions of your JavaScript, yep. upload them to CDN, and then get yep. downloaded. And so Expo includes built-in this sort of like over-the-air um, updates kind of thing. One of the, you know Guillermo Rausch? Yeah. One of the things that we talked about with him last week was this idea of a, a hyperlink for everything. And then we talked about their ethos around how do you simplify this process of like even just getting a project started. Yeah. And I feel like Expo has a very similar ethos yeah. in, in what the way I've used it so far is we, we a hyperlink for everything and then the, the QR code. Right. Thing. Yeah. I mean, the QR code is basically just like reading a U. A U that's just an encoding right. of a but URL. But it's the experience right. of is like you could have just put out a URL yeah. and said, type this in. Right. <laughs> but like, you didn't. You made it like right. hold your phone up and instantly have this app. Yeah, it's that. weird, but I do feel like we're just getting to some of the like most powerful features of the URL like now just yeah. by making yeah. everything more shareable. No, it's true, and I think like URLs kind of like got lost for a while when like the web was sort of a second class citizen on mobile for a long time, and like even now, I think that there's an interesting thing with URLs, where like a lot of mobile apps, like because of the way the URL worked and like the way browsers were structured, where there's just like this URL bar and like the back button and forward button, that kind of like defined how navigation worked on the web, <laughs> and like for a long time there was a URL for like almost everything and you could like almost like copy and paste a URL and then like paste it and then that would be like the state of where you're going. And then recently we've evolved to these like single page applications where like they just have everything is on the client and they're just doing all this different stuff. And if they're like written by people that like are into this, they might manipulate the location. History.replace. But like it's not like you're actually going, (laughs) you're not like, doing the old school way of like there's not a request necessarily going to the server for a new HTML page or something like that. And so that's kind of like it's getting a little blurry there but in the a native app world it's like almost like it just started off in this no URLs and there's just like 
but like some designers made these different paradigms of like stack navigation and tab navigation and like all these other paradigms. And it's a little bit less clear how to map those exactly to URLs. It's very and confusing like, for people transitioning. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Like if you think, and like it seems, a lot of stuff seems simple, but if you try to like, if you open Instagram or something and you look at it and you like, you might be looking at, like I might be looking at your profile on Instagram, but I could have gotten there from a notification that you followed me. And then it's like in one of these four different stacks of stuff where I could have searched for you. And then the back button does a different thing. And I might've just tapped in from my home feed. And so there's all these different ways I might've ended up there and going back or forward or like, it's just like, you have you have to really think through a lot of stuff and it's really, really complicated, even though I think users are actually happier with it than they are with like the, the back yeah. button yeah. on browsers. So, um, it's almost like sometimes it feels like we need to encode more than just like a URL that like points at a place to capture like what your navigation state is. But we also want something that's like as simple as like, oh, just a URL that like shows me this piece of content. And like one thing that's really missing from mobile apps right now is like, and that was awesome about the web is that like because of the way it worked, like search engines could exist. And like half of everything on the web that like has meaningful users, it's like, like this is true, Wikipedia, Quora, Rotten Tomatoes, Yelp, like you search for something that you don't even know is on a particular site. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like I'm on your LinkedIn profile or I just, I'm looking at this movie review or like, and then now Yelp has a new user, Quora has a new user or something like that. And like, that's just not really a thing on mobile. It's like everything on mobile has to be like a word of mouth viral. Like, oh, you have to get this app because like, I want to send you these things or like you have to see this thing. Um, And so like, I think it's cool that like, those things can spread really well on mobile, but it, it's also like it's it can limited. happen kind of like a second degree effect of like search. Like you go to a website and it's like download our app yeah. or whatever. Especially on right. mobile where it has like the banners and stuff. But right. That's true. It's but that's a, such yeah. a crappy experience. Yes, yeah. like, it is. Just show me the thing I want to see instead yeah. of this stupid like ad for your own yeah. app. Like I just want to see the content. Like yeah. so in some ways I think I almost think of like Expo as like a new kind of browser that's not like an HTML CSS browser, but like a native app browser. But like, it's just like you should be able to just make this content and then it's like native looking and feeling, but you could just access it by URL. And so, like, if you, you know, you should be able to just like get a link and go into something and then like it could yeah. work. And so, like, maybe one day it kind of moves in that direction or something, but we'll see. To add to that, I feel like uh, archive.org is another thing that's only possible. On the web, yeah, and it's really sad to think about um, how many apps have been built and changed and lost or upgraded or whatnot, and we have no history of yeah. that ever right. existing or changing, except yeah. for the people who worked on it who took screenshots, like totally, or like the people who still have Flappy Bird on their phones, right? Who what buy a Flappy Bird because it was taken oh, off? Or yeah, yeah, exactly that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like um, a totally different paradigm, yeah. and there's. Some pretty big trade-offs. One thing that I always forget to do, but like uh, Rebecca Cox, who was designer at Quora, uh, used to take like pictures of the office and like screenshots every day, and it's like so cool to have that stuff. Yeah. And like people used, to, and I, like I wish I had been doing that with Expo. I, every time I work on something, I always forget to do it, and I always wish that I had like you the could progress. Got to set up uh, all screenshots go to Dropbox. Oh yeah, but then I always I always use the thing where you get the rectangle, so I only have like little. They'll do it. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I, I see. You want like a system? I like. I just like. I don't have like. I don't. I don't every day take a screenshot of like what what our interface looked like or whatever I or something see. like that. But yeah.
But um, seems to, like something you could do on the server too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm probably maybe I'll set that up this weekend. Some yeah. Like some cron job on my computer. To, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> Every website should be cool. Like, yeah. just generate a screenshot of these different pages, and then you can replay it as a timeline right. or whatever. Uh, but I want to go back to like this. How did you arrive, or like, what are the principles that guide decisions that you're making as you're working on Expo now? Like around the design and experience that should exist when it comes to people making mobile apps that might be in a totally different state of mind or paradigm than people are used to. Like, how do you think about that? Especially thinking through just this concept of the way the, uh, the previewer works on your phone, the way Mm -hmm. the, uh, even like the directory structure of programs and like, the the config that you've extracted yeah. from from projects like that kind of stuff those decisions are super interesting to me oh um well i think that the starting point is just to uh one well take a step back and like a meta thing that's fun about working on something like this is that if you work on a like developer type product and you're a developer you can just introspect all the time and like that's so easy to do. And it's just like, and if you look at like companies, like it's actually kind of like, this is a total tangent, but like there's this interesting thing where like there's been a series of companies like throughout the history of Silicon Valley or whatever that have like been known for like having like success without, and then no management structure. And they basically are all companies that are like where people just introspect and build whatever they want. So it's like GitHub did this for a long time and it's like, Developer tool for developers. Stripe kind of did this for a long time. And that's just like stuff that. that. Figma yeah. did that. And like Valve kind of did that for a while. And it was like basically mm-hmm. like people like to play games, making games. And it's like you don't if you just know whether what you're doing is good or not, and it, you know what you're going for, you don't really need somebody judging you or giving you orders, or whatever. And so I think most of those cases it break broke down at scale or whatever. And that sort of makes sense. But it's interesting. And it's just fun to be able to just like so like is like so one thing we try to do on the team is like when one of the I'd say there's like three or four qualities that we tend to look for in, in people and probably the number one thing is just like taste, which like can mean a bunch of different things. Like it can mean visual taste if it's someone who's like wearing front end like Jim, um, uh, or it could and it you know, can mean some interaction, but it can also just mean like whether this is like a well designed API and that whether like someone has set something up and like but it's just like does somebody like left to their own devices like just have this natural pull where they like are unsatisfied with decisions that are not like elegant and good and that I agree with. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the number two. Yeah. Jim yeah. is Jim Lee yeah. who works at Expo. Right. Um, and the other thing that I think I really want to em- enable is like, I think it's cool if people can build stuff faster and with smaller groups of people and stuff like that, then you can build much more interesting, weird things with like, like if you imagine, like one of the coolest, most innovative things I think that came along is sort of like Snapchat. I don't, it's not novel to say that, but like the people would talk all the time about how Snapchat was like, had this terrible, weird interface, but it was actually like super good in a lot of ways. And I felt like it was just kind of like if you were, like they really made use of like gestures and to like navigate and uh, they like used the whole screen. And I think that was like, those two things were super, super good. And the gesture thing was so important because I think the worst thing on phones that like a lot of people who come from the web do is they like, like, oh, a click and a tap are basically the same. And so 
I know they, how to like, design for clicks. So, <laughs> so I will have three little tap areas right next to each other. And then like no one can, t- like, and it works fine in the simulator where you're using your mouse to do it. And then like you get on the phone, you can't. And so gestures is like the extreme opposite of that where like you can be, com- you could be totally wasted or something or like a child who like has no motor control. Or a and, wasted child. And Snapchat yeah. is halfway in between. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, and like you could still operate the app. And it's almost like, and even if you like don't even know how the thing works and you just start doing random things and like flailing wildly about, you kind of end up <laughs> ending up in every different possible place you might want to go to and finding your way there. And so like, I think that there, um, but like if you had had, it was kind of important, I think that almost like that it was like, Two, I don't know exactly who built the original. I wasn't there or anything, but like it seemed like it was like two people or maybe three people who built it originally. And so, like, probably they just built it that way because they, like, they didn't have time to. But if you imagine like a big company like that was sort of a professional app building, like they would have had tabs and like just been using like the normal things. And so, I think that like by enabling people to do stuff like with more iteration and just like enabling more people to do stuff so that like you can get designers being able to build stuff. Yeah. Um, you can enable like all kinds of good things happen where you, you can be more experimental and you can also like have more like just like you don't have to have when you ha- don't require as much programming ability, you can just like get people who are better at X or Y at product or design or just have a cool idea or yeah. whatever. Um, and so I think that's actually been one of the great things that's happened like in the web where like I think as it got easier to make websites, web design got way better because you had designers making their own stuff and like not waiting around for like some person who is just like really good yeah. at algorithms but not good at anything else like to implement for them, which like just really create a bottleneck. And so like same thing's happening I think with like even though I was – dumping all over the game situation in the world right now. I think there is like a really cool thing going on with indie games and like a lot of it is just like people can make really great art and cool stuff mm-hmm. and then like turn that into a game without having to like have a giant studio sponsor that and stuff like that. And so just like enabling people that like have these other assets beside like if you lower the programming requirement down to like so that lower and lower and lower so the people who like are just willing to think through what has to happen mm-hmm. and then can learn how to implement that. It's like you can open it up to people who just like have creative ideas, have great art, or just have great design, things like that. Yeah, it's made React Native more accessible to someone like me. So you're on your way. Cool. I mean, you were a, a designer, what, a year ago? No longer, Brent. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you left your job as a designer a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where where does this go? Like, And maybe a, a subcontext of that question is, React Native is like this huge dependency. Yeah. And, but it's interesting how tightly integrated you've become and they've become with you. Like Mm -hmm. you both reference each other, of course, in in documentation. Yeah. So where does this go? Is this like, is React Native it? Do you think Uh, this is the, going to be the thing or? It might be. Are we missing like a new paradigm? I think something like it is going to be, it might be React Native and it might be something else like, I think React Native has a pretty good chance of being like the main way that people build apps, a, you know, two years from now, like more than fifty percent or something like that. But I also think there there's some chance that uh, something that uses a slightly different technique that is sort of like what Google does with Flutter actually becomes the way. And the difference I'm not super there, familiar okay. with Flutter. Well, you don't have to be, but basically, um, React Native basically lets you take uh, like UI Kit or you know Android 
view, I forget what the library is called, but whatever, those components and like control them with CSS and JS. And so when you're like, you write some React Native code and then it's a, and it basically ends up telling the main thread, like put a view here and give it a green background and a border over this. And that's using like UI kit to do that. And then one great thing about that is you can also, like you want to put in a date picker and you can put in like iOS's mm-hmm. date picker from their sort of system controls and you can use that. But you're kind of like building like layer on layer on layer on layer. And it's sort of like probably at the bottom of UIKit is probably using Metal or Open. I should know, but I don't uh, whether what kind of rendering engine it's using. Or, and then here you're just like controlling that with JavaScript. And so there's just like a bunch of layers that are stacked on top of each other. And so the way the Flutter works is that basically like they kind of just like go straight down to GL. And so like it has a lot of the same properties. Like they re-implemented sure. React and Dart. I think it's insane that they use Dart, but it's not a bad language. And it's not exactly like React. Like the method names are different, but it's basically they have this like class-based mm-hmm. component rendering thing where like if you update this yeah, yeah, mo- yeah. like yeah, yeah. abstract model of the world, it manifests itself in the UI. Mm-hmm. But instead of like pulling in these like date picker and UI view and things like and UI scroll view, they re-implemented all of it. And so it like goes all the way down and like so you can and it's like rendering directly in GL. And so like there's some things that are better about that in terms of like the way you can do performance and coordinating animations and controlling stuff and things that those are some things that are worse and that like you just you have to do insane things to mimic the stuff that you want from the operating system Mm -hmm. like having a high speed camera capture every frame and like back out what the curves are and things like that Um, and like and to keep up with the operating system is just going to be an incredible amount of work but in some ways it might just be more efficient and more powerful to approach things that way. And so, like, I don't, I think we'll just kind of see which one, where it plays out. But we're, we're, with Expo, we're just really focused on, like, making it the best way to make applications. And so, like, right now, it feels like React Native is that, where it's just, like, there's not really anything else that has, like, the as tested, as powerful will get you, like, and there's some rough edges around it where I'm not completely happy with it. Um, in terms of the performance and stuff like that, but it's mostly getting better, and people are working pretty hard on it. it has a lot it has backing of a lot of people. Like, there's a pretty big chunk of people working on it at Facebook, and a pretty big chunk of people working on it on Expo, and other people out in the community. Yeah. Like Microsoft has, yeah. has some contributors, yeah. um, and then there's just like a lot of like our forums have so many posts now, and Stack Overflow questions, and you know, there's just like st- a lot you can find. Like, you go on Udemy mm-hmm. or YouTube, and you can find tutorials on how to do X or Y or Z. And that's just really, really important. Like sometimes it's not even about the better technology; it's about where's good enough technology with like a big enough community that like you can figure out how you need to do how to do what you need to do. The the thing that's scared me about that, and I think for me the most obvious example would be like navigation paradigms because it's the hardest and it's also the least standardized or one of the least standardized (laughs) things. And And um, so, like, how do you think about that also being part of your work? Is like maybe Expo should be. Yeah. The team that, that standardizes this instead so we, of Airbnb or whoever's working on I think on that, those. like, I think this is going to have to be a, a big group effort. And so, like, because, like, we have 17 people. We might get a little bigger, but, like, the chances that we'll be able to build everything the best of anyone with, like, a small team, probably not high. And, like, so we look at, like, what Airbnb did with Maps. I, like, I think that's not necessarily a focus for them, and some community maintainers have stepped up. But, um, like, we don't... Like it doesn't make sense for us to compete with that. It makes sense for us to go fix it. Collaborate. Yeah. Navigation in particular, though, we we did see that something was giving a lot of people a lot of trouble. Like, um, 
people have just had a lot of confusion around React navigation. And then all the other alternatives, because a bunch of people have built stuff like React Native Native Navigation. And, and all the uh, libraries are named the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> and it's native like, Navigation, Native, native React Navigation. Yeah, <laughs> and then there used to be like Navigation Experimental and EX Navigation, which were different. And like, so basically, like, Brent and our team is great, has been spending a bunch of his time working on React Navigation, and he just got that to 1.0. Um, Yep. I yep. still think there's ways to go on that until it's like feels intuitive. Yep. And uh and it has this the stuff that people want. And I also think that's that's one of these areas where React Native, like it when you do it all in JS, it can feel pretty good, but if you turn on your high speed camera or you get someone who's like a true native purist, they can pick out like, oh, this isn't exactly the way that something built in Swift would behave. And if that's important to you, which is important to some people, um, some people do like to use these sort of like native navigation solutions. One thing, this is like a little bit of tangent, but I do think that's a little bit overhyped because if you talk, like a lot of times people will say, oh, I want this native navigation thing. Like I just want to use the standard thing. And they like, they say, just like the way that like Facebook does here or Instagram does or Twitter does. But <laughs> oh, if you yeah. like talk to anyone who works on the apps of those companies, like they don't, none of them use like, UI tab bar, these guys like they built. They've every, <laughs> yeah. you always run into something where you like need to change some text label into an icon or something, yeah. and then Facebook's is like eight pixels shorter or something like that yeah, too. Well, it's just like because yeah. like and somebody's built it from the ground up to mimic that. Um, and so like I think sometimes people when they are complaining they don't fully know what they're saying or, or what they want. But I do think that there there's. Navigation is one of the areas people look really closely at, and you can see that like some of the ways that React Native does certain kinds of animations and things like that isn't quite up to snuff and needs to get a little better. But yeah. it's you know, I actually think that like it might not even matter because if you look at like like if you look at like websites, that's the main way that people distribute desktop software these days, and like like almost any new piece of desktop software that you get is basically an Electron app. Yeah. Like 90%. Like yeah. Slack is, VS Code is. Yeah. Like everything, anything I can think of that I, that's not a game that I've downloaded recently. And nobody complains like, oh, like this button doesn't look like an OS ten button or like whatever. It's just like you just kind of have these different expectations and you expect people to go use their own design language with their own app. Some people do. Right. Most people okay. are exhausting. Right. It's true. Okay. There's like a small subcommittee yeah. of like hardcore like uh, cocoa <laughs> purists or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And um and they make their own stuff and send it around to each other and like distribute through the Mac App Store. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's sad right. of masochism. And I, and I do think that like at, over time we've seen mobile things move to all having their own design. Like everything I use a lot on my phone basically has its own design language. And like some of the like some of the Google apps share a certain like, but like recognize patterns. Right. But like it's not like like YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, Twitter, they don't look like Apple made them mm-hmm. and they were like made with just like pure UI kit components. They look like, oh, like that company and its designers like designed this and its programmers made it. And so I think like if it's not 100% clear to me that like React Native needs to be like, it might. And like I think that uh, like I'm happy that there's people pushing for that because I do think it needs to be really good and feel and the, and people, there's stuff that people put up with on the desktop web in terms of like lag or dropping frames that like is okay when you have this like you're using a mouse and then like the screen is off in the distance that you're not okay with when you're like physically touching a screen you're expecting to to feel like I'm oh I'm dragging this right. thing and I'm physically 
grabbing it with my thumb and pulling it or whatever. Um, and so the standards are high for what people expect, but I don't know if it necessarily needs to be like lined up with what the operating system gives you yeah. as much as just good in some yeah. abstract way. Performant versus like a straight clone right. kind of thing. Yeah. For the sake of time, we just have time for a couple more questions. I, I want to know how you ended up going from Facebook to Quora. Cause, well, co-founding Quora. Oh, um... Like what was that conversation Adam was at like? Facebook and, too, right? Yeah, Adam was Adam D'Angelo was the CTO at Facebook, and I had worked with him when I was working on the platform stuff. He was, I guess, my manager, um, and he left. And then I was gonna. I really liked working with this guy Ari Steinberg, who's reasonable and brilliant and a great guy. Um, and we sort of, I think we kind of both had an idea that we would go work on something together at some point. Um, but then I wasn't sure, like, it, but we didn't, it, we didn't have a plan or anything. And I was really happy at Facebook. Like, it was going so well. I loved my team. I had so many smart, cool, good people. And it felt like there was a lot to do. Um, but I, I just, I thought it would be really exciting to start a company. And um, I just felt like I needed to do it before I, like, got old and like had kids and, like that. and sure. so then when, yeah. when the opportunity kind of came up it was a little bit complicated there was like someone else involved and things like that but uh i thought that like it was not my the idea of doing questions and answers was not my idea that was Adam d'angelo's idea the idea of like making it look the way it did was much more collaborative and like i think maybe even more my idea but um he had the original idea uh but i it was mostly just that I like thought I was getting old and I thought it, I thought it was a reasonable idea and that I knew that we would both work really hard and had been able to get things done before. It seemed like, I mean, I don't know. It was probably crazy. Like it was just to make, <laughs> it made no sense to leave Facebook at that time when I was doing well and like whatever. But I think that I just was felt confident enough that I was going to just work really hard and that I thought I had good ideas about stuff and like understood users well enough. Do you have regrets? <laughs> um, I think like mostly no, because if you said like this, is, you know, you will win a crunchy award and you will raise money at like these terms and like this many people will use it. It'll be like, that sounds awesome. But then it's also, you can always, you know, you can always look back and kind of be like, well, maybe I should have stayed at Facebook a little longer and then done, you know, six months longer and then done photo sharing on mobile or something like that. And like invented Instagram, like that would have been a much better plan. Um, Kind of, I think I've been watching a lot of like speed running videos, and it's like yeah. it's kind of like. Do you watch AGDQ? Yeah, well, and then there's this guy like summoning salt. He has these cool world record progression videos huh. that are like awesome, like mini documentaries. Totally watch those. They're cool. like I don't even I don't even play most of these games, but they're super fun to watch. Yep. But anyway, the main point in referencing that is just like it's so interesting that if you get to go back and start over and do something again, you can do so much better than like that first time you go yep. through. And I feel like life is kind of like that. It's like you like go. It's like you get a one time playthrough, and like even if you do really well, it's awesome. Like yeah, sure. If you could go back and like. Oh, I'd fix that and I could do that a little Speed better. It's like, it. it's like, yeah, you could probably, like, yeah. I found a glitch in the wall here. <laughs> right. There's probably ways that you could do better. Like, actually, if you backflip all the way across this field, you're good. Like, <laughs> right. Saves you 30 minutes. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that there's a, hmm. so maybe like, do you ever see Back to the Future 2 where Biff mm -hmm. gets, like, I feel like it would be cool to have, like, the technology version of that where it's like, oh, I invented 
Snapchat, Stripe, Dropbox. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> would be pretty yeah, nice to have invented all of those but, things. No, I'm pretty happy with how, how everything's worked out. And uh, I, I really like working on what I'm working on now. And I feel like we've got people who really care about what we're working on. And that's just like, that's what like I think is one of the most important things for being happy in a place is just like being with other people that care about doing the thing that you're doing. And it's just like kind of, it's like its own reward in some sense to be able to work on something like this. Like if I, like I think Expo is open source and free and everything, but like if, if there weren't some company behind it, I feel like a lot of the people who work on it now would be like open source contributors who are like yeah. toiling away yeah, at some yeah, company yeah, yeah. and then like n- nights and weekends, like committing to Expo. And so that's just like, it's, it's really fun to have that kind of like, feel yeah I think. well on that note then as as we fast forward to today and everything you're building working on uh what keeps you up at night um i think that like you know besides the threat of nuclear holocaust and authoritarianism and all those things um and uh, Aside you know, from those robots, <laughs> like AI taking over the world, robots opening doors for us. That Boston Dynamics, <laughs> yeah, Boston. that Boston seems Dynamics. totally inevitable to me. Yeah. By the way, it like, looks I think really courteous, so robots. much like that yeah. uh, Black yeah. Mirror uh, robot, yeah, super yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I do think there's only probably like three or four generations of humans left before stuff gets really weird. Um, but weird in a bad way, <laughs> <laughs> just weird. Uh, I mean, like I feel like. My view on it is kind of like, if you think about like what life is like for horses or dogs today, <laughs> it's like, it's not necessarily bad. Like in a lot of ways it's probably better, but it's like, you're not like important anymore. It's like, you're like, you're like a in-app purchase, like, in a, you know, just for, a, for fun and entertainment purposes. Like we don't, we don't, like we used to need dogs to like hunt or protect the campfire mm-hmm. or something. And we need horses to like get around and like pull the, you know, sure. thing that. But we're, we're not more useful than robots, though. We are right now, but like I feel like you like know, vague future robots, right? Yeah, right. I think that like we might. I just think we'll they'll we'll be like reality TV stars. We'll be like the it's like humans are good at like being human mm-hmm. and like kind of cute or like interesting. Sideshow, like yeah, sideshow. <laughs> yeah, but like not like like the idea like you got to do work will be just like a yeah. lot less important because we like in the same we don't expect like. Your your dog doesn't wake up in the morning and like need to do work. It's mm-hmm. like just well, like just mine, done. Well, speaking, mine does. Speaking of, he, uh, he pays rent. <laughs> speaking of speed runs, there's a a robot called Tazbot. Have you seen this? Oh no! Is he? Do uh, you like tap it, the controller and stuff? They teach it like they train it on speed runs, and it figures out new ways to break the game and like beat it way faster That's than right. anyone else. Oh. It's insane. Oh. Like, um, uh, what's Super Monkey Ball? Watch like the Tazbot runs of Super Monkey Ball. It's like it starts. He's at the end. <laughs> like just right. it's crazy. Um, yeah, and I feel like like video games are like well suited to be manipulated by computers. Mm-hmm. But like eventually, like most things will be like that, and it'll just be like get off the controls, human. Yeah. Like let let Tazbot X whatever take over, <laughs> and like probably like that'll probably happen. But uh, in the shorter term, <laughs> I think I'm just like. Uh, I'm worried about JavaScript performance and controlling garbage collector cycles. <laughs> and Nuclear holocaust, but a little <laughs> it, closer to home. Arcs for JavaScript, <laughs> JavaScript performance yeah. sucks. Uh, well, it doesn't suck. It's just sort of like... Um, we suck it, at it. We, like, <laughs> somehow we need to make it... So it's, There's also just battery life is a big thing. Like one thing, there's like a gaming... There's like a sort of small gaming community on Expo, people who make games with it. And um, 
the worst part of it in some ways is that like it turns your phone into like a space heater basically because yeah. it's just like somehow like I don't even think it's strictly necessary and we can figure out some way to fix this but it's like it takes a lot to run like even a simple game um, so stuff like that and then just making sure that like I think a big thing that I'm going to focus on this year is just like making sure that Expo is really really fast so it's like the fastest like when you start a new product it's the fastest way to start a new product when you like change something it's the fastest way to change something mm -hmm. when you distribute something to someone else it's the fastest way to get it to them and then like everything just works within it really fast so that's going to be a big thing for me thinking of this year Cool. Sweet. And people can follow along at expo.io. Yeah. And on Twitter at, at expo underscore io. And um, <sighs> I'm C. Cheever on Twitter. Nice. And we're expo on GitHub as well. Well, thanks for coming and hanging out. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It thanks. Was super fun. Yeah. That was 236. Thanks so much to Charlie for coming and hanging out with us. For, thanks to you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit us up. Uh, we're on Spectrum at spectrum.chat slash specfm. You can find all of our podcasts and a uh, conversation about this very episode uh, at spectrum.chat. Uh, we hope you check it out. And if you have a business or a side project or you're running an open source community, we hope you'll spin up a community on Spectrum. It's something we've been working on for the last year and uh, trying to make it easier to build and have better conversations with your communities online. We're super proud of what we built and we know it's just getting better. We've got some big plans for this year. So go check it out. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.